these are. <laughs> no fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Mr. Chairman, I have to tell you, this is the most extraordinary thing I have seen in my brief time in the Senate. I have never seen a witness blatantly lie under oath like Dr. Shogun has just done to this committee, stonewalled this committee, and just repeatedly refused to answer my questions about her own posts that are in public. For these reasons, I will oppose your nomination, and I strongly, strongly urge this committee to take action on this and force this witness uh, to, to own up to the fact that she is she is misleading us right now before our eyes, Mr. Chairman. Before we get into this morning's episode of the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce, I wanted to talk a little bit about honesty and government. It makes me cringe to use those two words in the same sentence, especially when we're talking about the federal government. I'm going to be linking a couple things in the text over at undergroundusa.com, and, and that's in our substack over there, um, that will illustrate this. But we had hearings before Congress with a few people nominated by the Biden administration and one sitting attorney general in which the example of how they blatantly and overtly lie to not only the American people but to Congress, how it's running rampant, how it seems to be the status quo, how it's become the norm. If you get truth from somebody who is in the federal government sitting before Congress, that is an anomaly. You have people locking down their social media before they have to testify because they don't want to be outed for who they really are, even though they're going before the people's house and, and the Senate to be confirmed to serve the people. Why would you hide who you are if you're going on a job interview to serve the people of the United States? Why would you lock down your social media? Why would you be allowed to lock down your social media? People who do that, the people who don't answer questions during confirmation hearings, the people who use the Fifth Amendment after they've been confirmed, like Eric Holder did when he was found in contempt of Congress, they should have to resign. And the people who lock down who they are to make it more difficult to be transparent shouldn't get the gigs. Yet, listen to congressional testimony by anybody who's up for an appointment from the federal government, and you see the most well-crafted responses to just about any question that can be asked. And a lot of times they get the questions in advance so that we learn nothing. There's no culpability for things they've said in the past. They're never held to account. And we wonder why the federal government doesn't serve the people. We allow them to deceive us, to lie to us, without repercussion. Why don't you think about the Eric Holder thing for a minute before we get into this morning's segment with Matt Bruce. He sat before Congress, lied to Congress, pleaded the fifth before Congress, was held in contempt of Congress, and nothing happened. Why? Because he was the Attorney General. Congress refers prosecution and charges to the Department of Justice for action. He was the guy. Did you really think he was going to prosecute himself? And he didn't even have the integrity to resign because he pleaded the fifth, which means he would have incriminated himself under oath on the issue of Fast and Furious. 
how did we allow him to stay in power? Why wasn't he impeached? We've got to think about this. If we want an honest government that serves the people, we have to demand honesty at the beginning, not in the middle or at the end. And that's at every level of government. If you're hiding who you are, you shouldn't be serving the people. Period. Right now, this morning's segment on the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce. Joining us from the North Country, up there in the panhandle of Florida, to Converse, we have none other than Frank Salvato from UndergroundUSA.com. Good morning, Mr. Frank. Mr. Captain. <laughs> yeah, let me, uh, let me tell them to be quiet. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, yeah, we're having a warm night down here. It's about 73 degrees on one side of the building, 74 on the other, so everybody's enjoying the weather. Well, you know, it's Florida. It's, it's, it's going to get uh, increasingly warm, and that's part of the reason why we moved out here. We're talking so, baseball. So, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's that time. It's yeah. that time. Break out the shorts. You know, Joe Biden has got a problem. A lot of people, a lot of people think that he's healthy enough to do the job as president. However, a vast majority, namely 59%, agree that his age disqualifies him at 80 years of age for another term in the White House for which he would be 82 at the time the term started. Well, I, I think I'd like to see the, uh, the internals on that polling because it seems to be it's flipped. I, I know some very lucid 80-year-olds and, and some very intelligent 80-year-olds, but Joe Biden is absolutely not medically okay to hold on nope. to, to the office of other term. Nope. That's ridiculous. Nope. That said, when you, you know, that's a tough job. I, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat holding that position. It is a 24-hour, 24 seven days a week, 365 job. It, it runs even the, the youngest man into gray hair. You saw it happen with George W. Bush. You saw it happen with Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. It just, you saw it happen with Bill Clinton. It just, it just pushes people towards aging. That's how stressful the job is. So it is not really a job for, for an excessively elderly person. That said, there's no reason that he can't serve his country. If a Democrat were to get in or a Republican who wanted to be able to counter ideas, um, when you get to a certain age in life, it's about providing the wisdom of a life's experience. Mm-hmm. If, if Joe Biden, in some capacity, believes that he's got enough experience and enough knowledge to be able to to contribute to the, the piloting of this country, then he should offer advice he should be counsel he should be someone that a president could call on mm-hmm. but he's not he's not m- medically capable of doing another term the the fact that people are just ignoring this it, it really does it, it crosses the line into elder abuse because anybody with a set of eyes can tell that this man has got some medical issues that really should see him getting treatment Rather than being trotted out in front of the cameras and and getting plugged in with whatever they juice him up with before his public appearances and globe trotting all over the world, it's not it's not right. We saw it before he was even elected that something happened, 
something happened. He was typical, let me expound on reality, Joe Biden. And then he was bumbling, shuffling Joe Biden. Something happened medically. And for them to be dishonest about that, trying to go into another another election to say that he's medically fit, that's just, it's abuse. Well, um, your former city uh, mayor, the New York mayor, Adams, has said that Lori Lightfoot's loss, election loss, is a warning sign for Democrats. Well, I, I've got to question Adams now. I, when he was running, I thought that perhaps he was a, a cut above on the on the intelligence scale. But if he is, was really paying attention to anything about Chicago politics, it wasn't a shot across the bow of, of progressives. Chicago is still going to have a Democrat mayor. Mm-hmm. There's no hope for it to have a Republican mayor. So it's not a it's not a shot across the bow for Democrats at all. What it is is a is a bold and overt statement by the people of Chicago that they'd like to not get carjacked in front of the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. You know, crime in Chicago is horrible. You've got the magnificent mile where all the all the big stores used to be. You know, you're you're talking Gucci, you're talking Tiffany's. You know, it was it was storefronts you couldn't get down there, where, where people felt safe walking at two, even two and three o'clock in the morning. Now they don't feel safe walking in broad daylight at high noon because people are carjacking and and, and having these these flash mobs going into these stores and just taking things. And there's no law enforcement. It's not the fault of Chicago Police Department. Mm-hmm. It's a fault of Lori Lightfoot and her policies, and that's why she was not elevated to run to the runoffs for the for the mayor. People are tired of the crime, so much so that those stores on what used to be the Magnificent Mall, there are empty storefronts there because people moved out because it's too dangerous. That's ridiculous. It's a world-class city with world-class attractions like the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Field Museum, the Art Institute, which, which I mentioned, and people can't go to these cultural places because the thugs and the gangs are running the city. That, Mayor Adams of New York, is why the people of Chicago voted Lori Lightfoot out. She's an arrogant, special interest, one-trick pony, and she she did great damage to the city. I'd kind of like to see a Republican take over, but you know he'd probably get the same treatment Trump did on the on the on the local stage as Trump did on the federal stage, where the aldermanic coalition there would just they're so corrupt they would just dismantle everything that the mayor tried to do. So there's no hope of a Republican. Mm-hmm. But Paul Vallis, and then you know I do remember him from the days when he was superintendent of schools in Chicago. He had a balanced budget. Teachers' pension was funded, he had high graduation rates, and he had a rainy day fund. I'd say the guy knows how to run finance. So maybe if the people of Chicago wake up and make sure Vallis is the mayor, then he can actually sit down and have coffee with Mr. Adams out in New York one day and say, why don't you keep your mouth shut when you're talking about Chicago politics? You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, now, wait till you hear this one. California is losing people, right? <laughs> yeah. Guess how they're going to try to get a certain amount of them back. You ready? Yeah. After first proposing $220,000 payments last year, 
the California Reparations Task Force proposed at a meeting on Friday that every black citizen in the state of California be given a $360,000 check. The project could cost as much as $640 billion, but there was no word on how it would be funded in the cash-strapped state. Oh, it's just another just another step towards absolute bankruptcy, which Gavin Newsom would petition Joe Biden. The federal government's got to bail out California because we're too big to fail, Joe. And Joe would go, fine, let's uh, let's do that and tack out another $400 billion for the Ukraine because we don't like to balance the checkbook. We just print money. Hmm. What's what's debt? Who gives a sh- who who cares about debt? You know. Uh, that said, mm-hmm. hey, this is this is a direct and an overt act of racism, and I say that because when you talk about indentured servitude throughout the time of the beginning of of the United States, when people were coming over here from other countries, every single demographic went through it. The Germans, the Poles, the Italians, the Irish, but we're going to, you know, yeah, we got to make sure that we can divide the country a little bit bigger by giving uh, over a quarter of a billion dollars to uh, to people who happen to be black. Reparations were paid from 1861 to 1865 mm-hmm. when a country went to battle and lost over 600,000 people to end slavery in the United States. That's the reparation. The first and only country on the face of the planet to go to war to end slavery. Hmm. That's reparations. Hmm. All righty. Hold that thought. You want to stick around for another segment? You bet. All right. Hold that thought, folks. I'll be right back with more with Frank Salvato. We got some more stuff to talk about here on the Redidio. So don't go nowhere. This guy here is going to take us to break. Let me see if I can find him. Where is he? There he is. He's right there. Hi, everybody. This is the Captain, Matt Bruce. Tune in 2 to 6 a.m. to hear tonight what they'll be talking about tomorrow on this radio station. The Captain's America Third Watch. Always American and always conservative. God bless America. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. Just as I thought. This is Frank Salvato from Underground USA, and you're listening to a fellow brother of the badge, Matt Bruce, on the Captain's America Third Watch. All righty. Thank you so very much, Mr. Frank. We appreciate that. 
And uh, we also appreciate the fact that uh, you folks are chiming in and and opinionating, as you are. Uh, We get it in the chat room. We get it uh, sent to us, messages directly. We try to answer the ones that we can get to right away. But right away now, we got us a phone call. First of all, Mr. Frank, welcome back. Mr. Captain. Second of all, we got our friend Aaron up there in Denver, Colorado. Okay, Aaron, what's up? Oh, well, hey, Captain Frank. You know, I mean, Frank is right. You know, uh, reparations sounds great, but you got to be able to afford it. Myself being a a black American citizen, it it sounds great. But then, so I don't want to see a city, a town, or a city or state go bankrupt over it. I mean, if you can afford it, I mean, go for it. But this country can't afford it. This country's in trillions and trillions and dollars of debt. Uh, We have a southern border that is in total chaos, sending billions of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Uh, we have trains derailments in, in, in the country mm-hmm. uh, that are not being addressed the proper way. I mean, charity begins at home, and it's not being addressed. We've got a lot of problems here at home, and those issues have to be addressed, and they're not being addressed. And another thing about reparations. It died with Lincoln. I mean, God bless Lincoln. Lincoln gets killed for doing the right thing. So, I mean, the 40 acres and the mule, that should have been addressed. But unfortunately, Lincoln's vice president was a disaster. So as a result, Reconstruction was a disaster. And I can go on and on and on of this disaster after Lincoln is murdered. So, and, uh, and also I have a question for Frank. Uh, what does he think about the Dominion lawsuit? And will Fox end up, will Fox end up paying uh, the price for allegedly cooking up this 2020 conspiracy uh, because Trump said he got robbed? But anyway, I'd like to see what Frank thinks about this lawsuit. And Cap, Frank, have a good night. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Okay, go ahead, Frank. Well, you know, in the days of, of emotion-charged decisions in courts, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's going to be some kind of settlement where Fox takes out the checkbook. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether or not there was a crime committed. It doesn't matter or not whether the Dominion systems are vulnerable. Those will be the facts that are entered in, and they're indisputable, quite honestly. The systems are vulnerable. That's just the way it is. It was proven several times during the course of the last election. Were they gerrymandered? I don't know. I don't know. Will Fox pay something? Probably. Because we're, we're in a day where you can actually be innocent of things. And because it's cheaper to settle, you say, well, I'm not going to come out in front of the microphones and say I'm guilty, but would you like $10 million? Well, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Does it get down to the bottom of the question? No, it doesn't. Because this is a this is a politically charged lawsuit. It's not a lawsuit that actually anybody wanted to find out the evidence on whether there was guilt or innocence there. Mm-hmm. This is Dominion trying to save their reputation when all they could have done is made sure that they said, okay, we're continuously trying to harden our system. And we're developing safeguards against exactly what happened in places like Philadelphia. And Detroit, you know, so it's disingenuous. The lawsuit, in my opinion, was disingenuous from the beginning. It's just about a reputation save. Mm-hmm. It's not about correcting the errors or, or hardening the vulnerabilities or whether the elections were were stolen, not stolen, manipulated, not manipulated. People are going to believe what they want to believe because we don't have a prosecutorial system in the United States today that wants to find out the truth. 
They just want to chalk up wins and run protection for their party when they're in power. And, and I say that, you know, pointing fingers because it happens on both sides, more so on the Democrat side. But it happens on both sides. You know, our blind justice has got has got her blindfold lifted up on one side. It, it's not blind anymore, and it's absolutely not equal for everybody. Right. If that was the case, there'd be a whole boatload of people who've been indicted in the federal government who are connected for various crimes that they've committed over the years, and a bunch of people who were arrested for January 6th would have at least had their day in court already, which they haven't. No. So don't tell me that the, the Department of Justice is on the up and up. It's picking winners and losers, and the basis for those choices all have to do with whether you have an R or a D behind your name. Yeah, and I don't get why the uh, Supreme Court hasn't moved on the right to a speedy trial stuff. Because I know there's been challenges against these, these people. Here we go. Now you're seeing how a little bit of political corruption has snuck into the judicial system and the judicial branch at the highest level. Right. You don't run from things. Okay, there's a question here of constitutionality. Let's hear it. This idea, eh, um, we're not going to hear it. Well, why? We don't have to say. You don't have standing. You can't bring it. Let's put up as many barriers to getting a question answered as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. This goes back to, to 2020 as well. Where was the constitutional basis for rejecting hearing the lawsuit from Texas that went to the Supreme Court, they said, hey, we're just not, we're not going to hear it. We, we don't, we don't want to rule on this. It was a dispute between states, and that is the primary function mm -hmm. of the Supreme Court. Yep. And then they punt? Because why? Because John Roberts wants to, get, uh, wants to continue getting invitations to Washingtonian cocktail parties? No. Do your job. And, and when you look at, at like the responses from, from Alito and from from Thomas, when this question was brought before, they weren't happy they didn't hear it. They weren't happy they didn't hear it. There are some people in the Supreme Court who who understand their obligation. John Roberts, ever since his, his decision on Obamacare, the cat's out of the bag. Mm -hmm. This guy is all about protecting John Roberts' reputation. And, and he's been quite a disappointment as Chief Justice right off the bat. That probably shouldn't have been done. But yeah, this is, you know, talk about a two-tier system and a system that picks winners and losers. That's another perfect example. Well, why do you suppose China is being quiet all about COVID when we're pointing all the fingers over at them and they're not saying a word, not trying to defend themselves or whatever? Isn't that kind of, doesn't that kind of show you that maybe they are responsible for all well, this? There's no maybe. They are. They are. And Fauci's team over at NIH, it's already been proven. The mm -hmm. paper trail's there. If you read this if you read uh Dr. Robert Malone's Substack, yep. he published it again the other day. I saw it. The document that points directly to the NIH doing gain of function testing through the Wuhan lab. Mm -hmm. This was absolutely a, a constructed bioweapon that got out. The only question is, did it get out maliciously? or by error. But the reason China's being quiet is because everybody's too focused on Ukraine, because Joe Biden needs to have a war going into, going into the next election. This is the biggest wag the dog there is. So 
China's being quiet because the American people's attention span is doing what it has been doing mostly in, in contemporary times. <clears throat> have you ever heard yeah. of? Oh, <clears throat> have you ever heard of Hoover, Alabama? Yeah, a group of fifth grade girls playing basketball beat a group of fifth grade boys, and they never got the trophy they were supposed to get. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not right. No, it's not. This is this is how we teach people in their youth competitively how to how to have grace in, in winning and and that life has you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose maybe you have to try harder next time mm-hmm. and if it's a direct attack on meritocracy which we have way too much of in the United States today mm-hmm. so I so I hope that girls basketball team I hope they get their trophy and I hope people make a little noise about it because if they beat the boys. I can tell you in the hallways of that junior high school, there's some chatter about that. I bet. You know, and, and boys, well, I guess you're going to have to try harder next time, aren't you? <laughs> All right. Mary, hold that thought. I'm going to talk to you off air there, Mary. All right, Frank, we will talk to you uh, Friday. Have yourself a great day. Stay nice and warm up there. <laughs> well, stay low, my friend. All righty. Frank Salvato, UndergroundUSA.com. UndergroundUSA.com. Check it out. Find out what he's all about. You'll find out real quick, I'm sure. Okay, I'll be right back. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment and a rating if your platform lets you, and please head on over to undergroundusa.com and sign up for the Substack. It comes straight to you, circumventing the censors, and if you're still doing traditional media and you haven't started including independent media, You're following the narrative that they have crafted for you instead of finding out the truth about things out there that they don't want you to know. So sign up for the Substack and please include it in your list of independent journalism. I think you'll be pleased with what you find out or disturbed. A little bit of both. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.